Twiceborn Podcast. I'm Mike Bailey. If you haven't already, please go to the website twiceborn.net. If you would like to reach out, please email twicebornministry at gmail.com. Enjoy. And so today we're going to talk about loving God with all of your strength. And if I step on your toes this morning, I did do it intentionally, so I'm giving you a warning here. But you know, one of the realities you begin to realize in life is how quickly you get over the hump in life. Um, As we study the human body, I know this is going to be depressing, but the reality is uh, we peak at our mind's ability to cognitively or to process information at about 18 or 19 years of age. You peak with that's the fastest you're ever going to be able to think is when you're 18, which is strange because so many make poor choices at that age, but, and then it immediately starts to decline. We also found that uh, the brain is not fully formed until you're 25 years old, but at 25, your your brain actually then begins to slow its ability to do short-term and long-term memory. And so there's that, that's, that's a challenge. And what we've also learned through studying the brain is between ages 25 and 35 is the peak of everything about you, whether it's your mental health, your mental ability, or your physical body, how your physical uh, body works. Because um, in your 30s, everything begins to decline that makes you healthy and better. And so that's that's a sad picture, really, that we only have that little bit of time in our life when we're at our max with our brain and with, with our bodies. And we recognize that this is, this is limiting. Uh, we've also learned that uh, in your day-to-day routine, the average person has three hours of optimum brain usage, meaning you have three hours where you can completely focus on something and do that task well and be very proficient in it. You have three hours of peak and then it begins to decline. And they say it's six hours, a six hour day is really the capacity of most humans to be productive. After that six hours, it increases their improductivity, their unproductive nature quickly increases after that. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe I I talk to some of these guys, they say, I can go 60 hours a week like nothing. And you're impressive. But the truth of the matter is this, when we talk about loving God with all of our strength, We have to realize that our strength is limited. My strength is limited. Your strength is limited. And you are given an exact amount of strength for your life. Do you recognize, do we recognize that we're somewhere on our journey and we've spent a certain amount of our strength and we cannot get that back? And so when I was thinking about this this morning, I decided I would use this illustration. All right, so here I have a $100 bill, $100, wow, right? Don't come steal this from me. This is for the Lord. And $20 bills. Now let me ask you a couple questions. If you get down to your last 20, are you just gonna be frivolous with that? Are you just gonna be like, eh, it doesn't matter. It's all I got left. Now, what if I were to come up to you and say, I'm gonna give you this money. And I want you to spend this money in a way that represents you well. So how you spend this money will be a a reflection of who you are. And not just that, it'll be a reflection of who I am. And I give you the money, how would you spend it? 
how would you spend the money? See, we all understand the value of money because money is a fleeting commodity. It comes and it goes. It has a limit to it. But so is there a limit to our strength. There's a limit to how much I can give of my time, of my energy, of my effort. And this morning when we talk about this issue of giving, loving God with all of our strength, we need to recognize that we're limited in that. Elijah, I'm going to go ahead and go to this because there's a king up here, and I'm sure it's distracting everyone else, too. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry, we are, this is a new setup today, and so we're just kind of learning on our way. So here's the question this morning. Do you love God with all of your strength? Amen. Now we're going to see what God has to say to us. So let's precede it with prayer. If you would pray with me, please. <clears throat> Father God, you are worthy of every ounce of energy that we have. You have called us into existence. You've knit us and formed us in our mother's wombs. And we come here this morning to submit our hearts and lives to you. Lord, as we come to these moments, as we look at your word, we ask that it would penetrate our hearts, it would penetrate our minds, Lord, that we would have thoughts that are your thoughts, and that, Lord, we, we would see a future where you're leading us and guiding us. And so, Lord, as we're using some of our mental ability right now, as we're using our brains uh, to understand, as we're using our hearts um, to allow us to be passionate about your way, your things. Although we ask that we would be protected in this. We ask that we would see clearly. We ask that you would guide this conversation. We ask that you would teach us new things. And Lord, as we spend these moments committed to you, we're seeking you now, Lord. And you told us if we seek you, we will find you. And so we believe that. We believe as we seek you, we're gonna find what you have for us today. And that we're gonna take that and we're gonna live that out. And we're going to be faithful to you that we know that there's a day you're coming back. We look forward to that day. But as we get ready for that day, Lord, I pray that you would use today as another day of preparation, of preparing our hearts, preparing our thoughts, and allowing us to love you with all of our strength, that everything that is us is yours, and that we would submit it to you and glorify you. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we look at the context, the Bible teaches us that God created the universe, that he created mankind, that he formed us from the dust. And so you and I are created beings in the likeness of God. And it says that God knows exactly all there is to know about you. He knows exactly all there is to know about me. He knows how many hairs are on my head. He knows how many days I'll live. That's not something funny. <laughs> I'm joking. It is funny. But you know, the reality is he knows everything about us. He knows our inner thoughts. He knows our actions. He knows everything there is to know. And in many ways, in many ways, uh, he has handed this life over to us on loan to see what we would do with it. And the first question that all of us have to deal with, the first and most important question of our life is, who is Jesus? Is he my Lord and Savior? Or is he uh, just someone who lived or maybe not lived a long time ago? And so once you come to that first realization that Jesus is Lord and Savior and you repent and believe, he leads you down a path 
where he allows you to live for him every single day of your life. But there's a problem, and this is the challenge of life. This is the struggle that all of us have. This is the struggle you're going to see. This is the struggle that we all interact with on a daily basis. Luke chapter 12 leads us to the first problem, and this is the problem I would say is in the church, but is definitely in the world. And here's a parable that Jesus tells in Luke 12, 16 through 20. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store up my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for you for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And so Jesus gives this very poignant parable and he says, there's this man and he, he realizes he's going to be able to harvest much more than he anticipated. And he begins to plan what he's going to do with that excess. And he, he tells himself, I'm going to be able to just take it easy. I'm going to be able to eat, drink and be merry. I'm going to be able to live that lifestyle that, that I've always wanted to live of just leisure. And God says to him, you fool. Do you not realize this very night your life will be uh, required of you? That I'm going to call you to me. That your life on this planet is over. And now you will stand in front of me. And you'll take an account for your life. And you know so many, and, and I, would, I would say me as well. We get sucked into how do I make my life easier? I spend my strength on making my life easier. And so who am I really loving with my strength? Many times I'm loving myself with my strength because I want leisure. I want pleasure. I want fun. And here we see if you were to go out and find out what are most people doing today and why, what would you find out? I'm pursuing leisure. I'm pursuing, uh, I'm using my strength to pursue what my heart desires, my own wants. And God says, listen, that's foolish. It's not going to work. You weren't created by God. You were not created by God to seek your own pleasure. You weren't created by God to love yourself with your strength. You were created to love him with your strength. And so that's a challenge. It's a challenge if you're here today and you're saying, I want to know what it means to be a follower of Christ. Well, one of the things it means is submitting your strength over to him. When you believe in him as your Lord, meaning he is now in charge, he guides your way, that you're submitting your strength to him this morning. And he calls us to that obedience and not falling into the trap of being self-reliant and seeking our own way. And that's one thing that, that pulls us away from loving God with our strength. But I think within the church, this is maybe a different issue that we struggle with. Because even in the church, we struggle with loving God with our strength. We, we struggle with loving him with our, all of our abilities, our time and our energy. 2 Thessalonians verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 11 says this. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They're not busy. What are they? They're busy bodies. Right? They were busy in the wrong way. Did you know you can be busy in the wrong way? 
in this world, we can be busy in the wrong way. And this very first church, it's amazing to me that it goes back all the way to the very first church. That instead of supporting each other, uplifting each other, sacrificing for each other, using our strength to build the kingdom, to build the church, to find those in need and to support and help them, they were using that same strength to tear each other down. They were using that strength not to do the work of the Lord, but actually to do the work of the enemy, to destroy the community, to destroy the unity, to destroy the love that God has given to the church. And so when we're called to love God with all of our strength, it means we need to be busy in the sense that we are using that strength for his kingdom work and not for our own desires and wants. And that's difficult because you know what? Right now it's really easy for us to be uh, listening to this and, and thinking about this. But the truth is when we get out of this room and we live the rest of this week, this is one of the challenges you and I are going to have. When I wake up tomorrow, and I live out tomorrow, I live out Monday. How will I use my strength? Will I be busy doing the things of God, loving him with my strength, or will I be busy pursuing my own desires, my own wants, trying to fill my flesh? And so it's a challenge. And then even to the individual, here's what James tells us. In James 1.22, it says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. If anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You know, we come to church and I get encouraged and hopefully you get encouraged when we hear a message of how God's moving and he's working and he's calling us to love him in this new way. And, and I get excited about ways I can love God and I can love people. But then my flesh is waiting for me at the door and, and my sin nature is waiting for me. And, and it's easy just to allow it to overtake me and to overtake us. And we talk about a lot of great things and, and we, we read God's word and we meet in groups and, and we pray together and we encourage each other. And, and, and sometimes we just don't recognize the power of the enemy that lives within us, the enemy that is outside of us, that's always telling us to use our strength for ourselves, to commit our strength to me. And it's a real active temptation that we all have to recognize and, and we can't come to this place and say, God, I want to love you with everything that I am. I want to be fully committed to you. I want to go into the nations. I want to go into the streets. I want to witness about you and tell everyone that there's hope in Jesus, that the gospel is real, that the eternity is set. Know all these things and then, you know, I get cut off on the road and I'm ready to fight. Right? Somebody sent, looks at me the wrong way and I'm upset, for the, and that's all I think about until I go to sleep, how I get back at that person, right? Because we have a real enemy that does not want us to love God with all of our strength. He wants us to use our strength on things that do not matter. He wants us to spend our strength on nothing, not to invest in the kingdom, not to invest in the things of God, not to invest in building of the kingdom, or uplifting others, or, or reaching people that are lost, but to spend it on things that are actually less than nothing because they actually undermine and destroy the things that God is doing. So we have a major problem. We have to recognize this problem. Our natural tendency, because we have sin in us, there's sin around us, 
is not to love God with our strength. But we're given a beautiful example in scripture. And this is where we see God's answer to all of this. And so if you have your Bibles, if you remember, we've been looking, we've been looking at the temple. We were told that we are the temple. The temple was a place that was built. Remember, David wanted to build it, and then Solomon ended up building it. And then the temple was there, and it was ransacked and destroyed, and then it was rebuilt, and then it was overtaken. And there is a remnant of it there today, but the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell there anymore. Because we're told that when Jesus resurrected and he told his disciples, now the Holy Spirit dwells where? With us. And who became the temple? We became the temple. You and I are the temple of God. If you're uh, checking out Jesus for the very first time, this might be a surprise to you. But the Bible teaches that God who created everything is a spirit is wants to live within you. He wants to live within me. Not only does he want to live there, he wants to have access to every part of who I am. He wants to be in my thought life. He wants to be in my decision making. He wants to be in how I deal with my relationships, how I deal with everything in my life. And so as we look at this, we see this beautiful picture of a temple. And it's amazing when you read the first and second Kings and you learn about the construction of the temple and how intricate and detailed God said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to build this and I want you to build this. And, and if you remember, we talked about how the priests could only go so far and only the high priest once a year could go into the Holy of Holies and he had to be pure. And as he went in, he had to go past that curtain. Remember the curtain that split on the, on the day that Jesus died on the cross to give us access to God. And so in this temple, if you were to go in there when it was still around, you would find that the priests, when they walked into the temple, would walk by two pillars. And the two pillars represented the strength. They represented God's power and his authority holding us up in our life. 2 Chronicles 3.7 says he erected the pillars in the front of the temple, one on the south and one on the north. The one on the south was named Jachin, and the one on the north was named Boaz. And so it's really interesting. These are two powerful names. These are Hebrew names. Now, Jachin, if you're to do a, a word study in the Bible, you're going to find there's two places that Jachin shows up. One, we're told he's the 21st high priest. And so he's in the line um, of Zerubbabel. And if you want to study that, I would encourage you. It's really interesting. Uh, but that's not as clear as Boaz. The story of Boaz is such an amazing story. How many of you have read the book of Ruth before? All right. If you've never read the book of Ruth, it's not a very long book. I would encourage you to read the book of Ruth. It's a powerful book. It's a powerful story. Uh, every single year, the Jewish nation, uh, Israel, will, will celebrate the fact that Ruth uh, was saved by Boaz, and it, it's, a, it's a story that means a lot, and it's also connected to us uh, through uh, the church is recognized within the story as well. But if you go to the book of Ruth and you read the story, you're going to hear about a woman named Naomi, and Naomi and her husband, because of famine, moved from Israel to Moab, and in Moab, uh, their, their two sons married, but unfortunately, while in Moab, Naomi's husband and her two sons pass away. And so she's left with two daughter-in-laws and not a lot of prospects for, for making it. And so she decides, I'm going to return to Israel. I'm going to return to my homeland, back to my people uh, where there is something for me. There's a future maybe. 
And she tells her two daughter-in-laws, like you probably tell them, hey, you're foreigners. You don't need to come with me. You can stay here, remarry, uh, go on with your life. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to return and try to survive. And one of the daughters leaves. And the other daughter, whose name is Ruth, says, no, Naomi, where you go, I will go. Whoever your people are will be my people. And whoever your God is will be my God. And so they return uh, to Israel, and at that time in Israel, what they would allow you to do is they had wheat fields, and they would go through and they would glean them. They would, uh, first, the owner would be allowed to go through and take up all the wheat that they wanted. They would harvest it, but part of the law was they could go through once, and then the poor were able to come on behind, and they would be able to take whatever was left. And so Ruth, to help take care of her mother, uh, Naomi, she would go and work the field. And she was a very committed worker. And then she got to meet the owner of the field, and his name was Boaz. And it turned out that Boaz was related to Naomi. And in Jewish culture at this time, at this place, there's something called a kinsman redeemer. A kinsman redeemer was this person. If you pass away, if your, if your husband passed away, the next person in the line of the family was responsible to redeem or take care of that family. And it turns out that Boaz is in line to be one of these kinsmen redeemers. And Ruth goes back and tells Naomi, I met this guy named Boaz, and he owns these fields. And Naomi's so excited for her. And he says, this must be the providence of God. This must be God working. And then we learn about Boaz and how he feels of Ruth. If you look here, Ruth chapter 2, verse 11. Boaz replied, I've been told all about you and have uh, you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. Moving ahead, then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Amimelech, Kilian, and Maholin. I have also acquired Ruth the Moabite, Mahalon's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among the families or from his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. And so they marry and they have a child. Do you know who that child was? His name was Obed. Now, Obed may not mean anything to you, but Obed had a son named Jesse. And maybe Jesse means something to you, or maybe not, but Jesse's son was named David. That's the king, King David. And maybe you didn't know also that Boaz had a very interesting mother. Do you know who Boaz's mother was? Rahab, the same woman that was in Jericho that allowed them to come in. And so you have Rahab, you have Boaz, you have Ruth. All of these are claimed in the lineage of Jesus. And what do we learn about their life? What, why a pillar? Why would a pillar be named Boaz? Boaz meaning strength. Why? Because first, Ruth took what God gave her as a light and loved him with all of her strength. And wherever Naomi would go, she was going to go. And she said, you, whoever your people are, they're my people now. Whoever your God is, he's my God now. I will be faithful to you, and I will work hard, and I will use the peak of my mind, the peak of my body, every ounce of energy I have. I submit in a love commitment 
to your God. And Boaz, a godly man, noticed that Ruth was a godly woman who was loving God with all of her strength. And because of that, he faithfully then was obedient to God and required or requested this marriage. And this becomes the story that leads us to Jesus. You see, this morning when you were to walk into the temple, you'd see Joaquin. Uh, Joaquin was also connected to the rebuilding of the temple. You would see Boaz. Boaz is the one who helped Ruth allow the people to stay there. Boaz meaning strength. Joaquin in Hebrew meaning I will raise up or I will establish. This morning, do you recognize that God, as he indwells us, wants us to love him with all of our strength? Do you love him with all your strength this morning? This leads us to Revelation chapter 3. This is a powerful statement that, that God makes to us. Jesus says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, what does it say? I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Jesus says, I'm returning. And, and you have these two pillars as your example of Joaquin and Boaz. And, and they spent their, their lives, they spent their energy and their strength. And even those connected them were loving me with all of their strength. And because of that, I have established them and I have made them known even to today as part of the kingdom that will last forever. Do you see yourself that way today? Do you realize there's pillar, you're a pillar of the Lord and it's not your strength, but his. You see, there's two sides to this equation. It's amazing when you realize this. There's two sides to this equation. There is strength that only God can give you today. There is strength that you do not have. There is strength that only the Holy Spirit of God can give you. Maybe you're struggling with some uh, health problems. Maybe you're struggling with some financial issues. Maybe you're struggling with some family issues. There are things within that that only God can do and only God's strength can do. But there are also parts of that that only you can do, that God has created for you to do. You know, when God talked to Moses, uh, God's going to part the sea. God's going to do the miracles. But Moses has to go. And Moses has to be faithful in, in, in presenting what God told him to say. God did the thing Moses couldn't do, but God expected Moses to do the thing he asked him to do. And this morning, when we talk about this idea of loving God with all of our strength, we recognize that there's part of me that only the strength of God's going to accomplish, and I will trust him in that. Can he trust me in the side that he's given me to do? Can he trust me with with giving all that I have to him? Can he trust you? Can he trust us as a church? Can he trust us as his followers that we're gonna spend our strength, every ounce of my strength will be spent on loving him, on building his kingdom, that I will not be a busybody, that I will not store up my self-pleasure, that I will not waste time doing things that don't matter, but that I will focus all of that energy I have, that limited energy, I have so little of it. There's a time that is coming. The Bible says that your life is but a vapor, that you are here and then you are gone, that this is such a moment in your existence. You're gonna live eternally 
in heaven if you know Christ as Savior. But you have a very short existence, and it says persevere, for these days are evil. But in persevering, it's every day when I wake up in the morning, I say, God, how do I love you with my strength today? How do I use the limited, those three hours, those six hours, how do I submit them to you? How do I lay them at your altar? How do I use them for your kingdom today? Is that your heart? Is that what you want to do? Have you, have you, uh, have you convinced yourself that maybe it's, you're just too far along? I would say this. Study God's word. How old was Abraham when God told him, I'm going to ask you to spend your energy on me, and it's going to be the biggest decision you make in your life? Guess how old he was? 90 years old. And God called him out of her, and he said, you're leaving. You're going to a place you do not know. You're going to go to a place that, that I have prepared for you, and you're going to have to use that energy at 90. I think there's only one person in here who knows what that feels like. When Moses, he had already ran away from Egypt. He had already seen most of his life pass him by. But yet in his later years, God comes to Moses and says, Moses, now I'm asking you to love me with all your strength. Your limited strength. You have every reason to say no, but the main reason you need to say yes is because I'm asking you. Noah. He's 100 years old. God comes to him and says, hey, I want you to stop worrying about yourself. I want you to build this giant ark for me. And I want you to love me with your strength. I want you to commit your strength to me. And so this morning, are we willing to commit to Colossians chapter 3, verse 23? And here's what it says. Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Amen. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 should be a verse that we memorize. It should be a verse that we highlight. It should be a verse that we put on our mirror in our bathroom. It should be a verse that we teach our children. It should be a verse that we encourage our coworkers, our children, our grandchildren. You're not working for that boss. That boss may be good, bad, or indifferent. You're not working for that system. It may be unfair. You're not working for that teacher. It may be unbalanced. or un You see that there's problems, but you're not working for them. That energy in your mind, that energy of your body is for the Lord because that's who you serve. That's who you're working for. And so that means in everything that I do, everything that we do, the world sees that we don't make our determinant by our boss, by our teacher, by the authority. Our ultimate authority is always God. So we do it at the best of our ability and we give everything that we can to it because he is the one that we are serving. That's loving God with all your strength. So when Jesus met this rich and ruler, when he told uh, this Pharisee, love the Lord your God with all your strength. Here's what he was saying. Will you love him with every ounce of energy that I gave you? Amen. Will we do that? Will we make that commitment today? This morning we need to apply what we've learned. We need to live it out. For us to do this, we need to take inventory. How are we doing?
I think there's just a big lie. There's a big lie, and sometimes we tell ourselves this lie, oh, I'm just too tired. I can't, what can I do for the Lord? I don't have that strength anymore. Whose strength are you relying on? Whose strength are we putting our hope in? You know, it's not about going out and being able to be the strongest person, really the strongest person who's on their knees seeking God through prayer and fasting and committing those moments to him. Are you willing to be that person today? Are you willing to focus your heart and your strength in the direction of the Lord and whatever he requires of you? This is not something we can do without the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to ask his help. Ask for his help today. Ask him to strengthen you. Ask him to give you the strength. Ask him to show you how to use your strength. And be a teacher. Teach others. Many of you have influence over younger people. They need to hear this message. Because many will go through this whole life just like that man who built the barns. And every ounce of their strength will be for naught. And do you know who God put on earth to warn them about this? You and me. He put me, he let me be born to tell you this message. He let you be born to tell them this message. How many people will spend their whole lives on themselves or the things of the world and have never been told that they could spend their money, could spend their energy, could spend their lives on serving the Lord? That's our responsibility. That's why Jesus started the church to share the good news of the gospel so that people could truly live for him and be his children. Commit to loving God with your strength, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday, but every single day. Will I wake up in the morning as I begin each day and say, God, help me to love you with my strength. As I put my head on the pillow, God, did I, did I love you with my strength today? Did I give you everything that I have? And then this is a big, and this is a, a very important part of this process. You need to make friends with people who believe this and live this. You need to get in a group. You need to be in Sunday school or a Bible study. You need to get people in your life that remind you of how to use your strength wisely, how to love God with your strength. Because if all you do is walk through this life as a Lone Ranger Christian and, and you kind of do it on your own and you don't have those friendships, it is almost impossible to live out this truth. It is almost impossible to love God with your strength if you don't, aren't around other people that are loving God with their strength. That's why it's so important that we gather physically so we can remind each other of this, encourage each other of this. And so as we conclude, what is God telling you? What is God telling you? What is he saying to you? If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we're told in John chapter, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, I write you these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. We have eternal life. The day you receive Christ as Savior is the day you can love God with all your heart. Amen. And then every day, continue to love him even more with all your heart. Here's my prayer for you. Here's this prayer for me. This is a commitment I wanna make out loud to you, a commitment I'd like to make as a church and really the vision I hope God has for us as a church is that if this is our energy, if this is our time, if this is our strength, then all of it will go to his kingdom. All of it will go to him.
I wouldn't hold on to a dollar of my energy. I wouldn't hold on to a dollar of my strength. I wouldn't hold to a nickel or a dime or a penny. My prayer, my vision is that all of us would say, I'm all in. Every ounce of strength, whether it's my brain's ability to think or my body's ability to function, is at the altar. Whatever your will is, God, that's what I'm going to do. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you that we're able to serve a living God and that you've given us life and you give us breath and you give us these bodies that function to to have days and years. And Lord, we pray that as we walk through our life, as we take one step and one day at a time, that we recognize that it's all from you and all to you and that we would submit our lives in that way. Lord, help us to recognize that there's many things that we can't do that we have to trust you for. And there's other things that you call us to that you're asking for our obedience. And I pray, Lord, that we would be obedient. Lord, I thank you for the promises of what you've set will be ahead of us as you return, as um, you're making us pillars in the kingdom forever. But today, Lord, help us to be faithful. Tomorrow, help us to be faithful. As we prepare for your return, help us to be ready. Help us to be seen doing your work as you come from the sky. Help us to be busy doing kingdom work. Lord, we thank you for this privilege. Help us, Lord, because need, I need help. I know we all need help. Help us to be humble servants that seek you every day. Lord, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.